Ulterior. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. Part 3 of the ongoing series this week where I look at my top 50 favorite records of the year. So part 1 on Monday looked at records 50 to 41. Yesterday, Tuesday was records 40 to 31. And then today, part 3, I am going over my choices for records 30 to 21. So yeah, thank you for all the support and I hope you enjoy this installment. Number 30 is Remember That You Will Die by Polyphia. It's number 30 for the records, but it's number one when it comes to record titles because, yeah, that is a... That is hard as fuck, not gonna lie. Um, so yeah, remember that you will die. If I'm being fully honest with you guys, I don't know how I feel about this album right now in comparison to New Levels, New Devils from 2018 and Renaissance from 2016. Renaissance having been my record of the year that year. But what I will say is that I think what we see on this record is the expansion of the Polyphia universe, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. So Polyphia did a lot on this album to really distinguish it from the rest of their discography, and that's thanks in part to the guest feature spots, because every guest feature spot here adds an element that has never been there for Polyphia before. So like with the opening song Genesis featuring bass tracks, the implementation of trumpets, like it really helps set the stage for how unique this listening experience is. The Sophia Black featured ABC is one of the most fun and interesting things I think Polyphia have ever done. And to me, that says something given how I think fun and interesting kind of just summarizes the entire run of this band thus far. Um, the way that like Kill Station and Snot are able to morph their styles to Polyphia and in turn have Polyphia morph themselves to their style. Uh, Chimera featuring Lil West, the implementation of like these, uh, like Spanish inspired guitars that really, really helped to set that song up for greatness. Um, Bloodbath featuring Gino Moreno from Deftones. Like that song is this very like trippy experience. And it doesn't really have the style that I would have imagined hearing that Gino would be on a polyphic track, but it is still something that I can like really put on a pedestal and say made an impact on this record and made a difference in the experience. And then the closing song, Ego Death, featuring Steve Vai. The way that that song kind of builds up Steve Vai and allows him to be the star of that track, it is something that th- there has to be a real unique storytelling element to Polyphia to be able to have that kind of a notion be present for an instrumental album or ra- rather what is largely instrumental. And I think Polyphia, like always, managed to show out and show the fuck up and really emphasize why they are in my mind, the best instrumental band in the world right now. Number 29 is Love Language by Wind Waker. Number 30 
This ended up being the final Wind Waker record with Will King on vocals, and that is, I'm, I'm going to say a shame, nothing against Liam, and I'm sure that he will be able to do great things with Wind Waker moving forward, but for myself, Will's voice is something where love language does not happen without that, or, or at least it certainly doesn't happen as effectively as it did without Will being at the helm of this project. I think Love Language really showed off a lot of what makes Wind Waker this really special and, and cool act that is taking, you know, sectors of metalcore and alt rock and kind of mixing them with something very like electronic and just really carefully produced. And I think that style of Wind Waker is what led to the winning formula of Love Language. And there are so many elements of this record that I cannot get enough of, you know, months and months later after the release. Um, I spoke about Lucy as part of the song series. Lucy is one of the absolute best songs from any band all year. Um, me plus you, but mostly me. That's another song that, you know, to me, that's like a real sleeper hit for the year in scene music. That's a real hitting gem and one of the best deep cuts on any album. And I feel like that song has this really cool pacing to it where it never really becomes heavy, but it's also not a soft song. It's just something that exists in that middle ground. And that middle ground is where Wind Waker managed to find like this really, really comfortable spot that they are excelling in. Um, there's this two part song. It is the interlude track Silver Linings, which is like this just really eerie and uncomfortable voice message and how that leads into the title track for Love Language, which is this very slow and beautiful fucking song that I think added another layer to this already stupendous album. Um, you have, like I mentioned earlier, like the metalcore style that also sees some new metal inklings like on Superstitious Fantasy and Trenches. The choruses on this album are fucking massive. Glow and The Rain are the best examples of that. And I, I feel like overall, Love Language was something that I was able to just like really feel pride in when it came to championing on this show. And I... I don't want to count out Wind Waker and I will give them more chances moving forward because they've earned that, but I would be surprised if I come on here soon and feel as strongly for a release of theirs as I am Love Language. Number 28 is The Price of Dreaming by Holofront. I was very happy about this one. And a lot of that comes from how I believe that Holofront have always showed potential and have always showed the ability to have these ideas and sounds that really play to their strengths. And I look at 2018's Still Life as the best example of that. And maybe not so much Loose Threads. I feel like that record kind of deteared a little bit from what it is that I really enjoy about Holofront, whereas The Price of Dreaming absolutely corrected the course and this is an album that even if it's not doing anything revolutionary and this isn't going to change the face of metalcore in any way i think what they're doing is just kind of showing other metalcore bands 
how to make an album that is able to carry attention from somebody all the way through. And never once does this album bore me. I'm never lost on it. I feel like every twist and turn within The Price of Dreaming is there for a reason. And I look at the lead single Treading Water as like the best example of how you deliver something to an audience and you let it wait. You you let it kind of build anticipation because that song came out last August. So like at this point, it's already been over a year since I first heard Treading Water. And to go from that song and then have to wait until Comatose, like I was eager as fuck for more Hollow Front. And then when I finally got Comatose, I was just reassured that like this band was going to do something special this year. Um, the title track has this really explosive chorus to get to show off the cleans from Dakota, as does a lot of the opening song in the spotlight. And I, I think at large, Dakota is able to kind of build his star on this album, and he gets a lot more moments to himself to shine, like on Thick as Blood. Um, and, and all the while, songs like Changeling and Better Off, they're able to further cement Holofront's status as one of the most pivotal and important metalcore bands going today. And I also just really cannot say enough good things about the closing song on this album, Running Away, and how that is one of the most emotionally gripping tracks I heard all year. It's absolutely like a top 10, top 5 closing song all year for myself. I think Running Away is able to cap off The Price of Dreaming perfectly, and in totality, this album did so many favorites for Holofront, and I think that there's like no ceiling at all anymore for this band. Like they have the material, they have the tools, and I just need them to fucking go for it now. Number 27 is Gemini by a marionette. If I had to come up with like a label for a marionette or a genre name, I truly don't even know where I should begin. Like, experimental is the easiest way to put it, but like, are they prog? Are they alt rock? Are they post hardcore? I don't fucking know, but I think above any sort of genre boundaries and genre lines, they're just a marionette. And on an album like Gemini, that's all I needed them to be. That's all I wanted. And I got that and so much fucking more on this record. And I had been of this understanding already from the beginning when Simple came out as the lead single. And also that is subsequently the opening song for the album. To me, Simple gives you, the listener, the best idea of what to expect while still kind of not really holding your hand through that song. Like you're going to hear Simple and then proceed through the rest of the album and you cannot at all be prepared for what is going to happen. Like so many little bits and turns that I, I think further play into this almost like a mysterious element to a marionette, or at the very least, like a very hard to read element. Um, on, on vocals, Issy is just an absolute fucking superstar for this band. I, I look at the song Criminal and how he is able to have one of the best performances of his career on this track and how he has this almost like a Michael Jackson-esque delivery to his style. And instrumentally, a marionette, they are delivering on every possible note. I feel like I am hearing so many songs on this record, like uh, uh, Peaches, for example. 
And every listen through, I am finding something new to appreciate or something that I heard already, but maybe not until like a third or a fourth listen, it really stands out to me. Like the little electronic bits and pieces that get thrown into that song, like after a while, that became one of the most addictive elements of this album. And it's just like these little, you know, sound uh, bits that feel like stars bumping into each other. It's nothing special, but in the moment, it's everything to me. And I think there are just like so many different routes taken by this album. And it's not at all a record that you can process or grasp all at once. And it's going to take a little bit of time to fully understand Gemini and what it's offering. I don't know if I even have that full comprehension yet. I'm still learning and adapting to Gemini, but I also feel like that's kind of maybe one of the things that a marionette had in mind when constructing this fucking masterful record. Uh, You're Not Alone and Beauty of the Masquerade are two of my favorite marionette songs to date. I think You're Not Alone has this very, like, soothing nature to it while still being chaotic in all the right ways. And then Beauty of the Masquerade, just again, Issy, I keep going back to his performance and his style delivery and all that shit. He is just unbelievable on Beauty of the Masquerade. Everybody is, but Issy just makes this song mean all the more to me. And at large, it's something that he and the rest of a marionette managed to do for the entirety of Gemini. And this is an album that I cannot recommend enough. And I feel like it's definitely going to be one of the ones in 2023 that I listen to monthly, if not weekly. Number 26 is Welcome Home by Varsity. Sometimes I say this like in a hyperbolic manner for bands, but when it comes to varsity, I truthfully, genuinely do believe that people are missing out if they are not tapped into this band. And Welcome Home, this record was supposed to have been released last year in November, so theoretically, I should have been talking about it as part of last year's top 50, but now I'm getting to do it this year, and I'm more than okay with that because ever since January, I have been able to think about this album and process it and really understand like everything that's doing and how magnificent it is fitting into the discography of Varsity. And I said this in the song series, Varsity to me have been able to kind of take the role that Issues had prior when it comes to being this uh, like amalgamation of metalcore, new metal, and R&B, and just how those three things maybe don't sound like they go together. But when it comes to the delivery of Varsity, they belong together. And I think that is established right uh, from the jump with Finesse, the opening song. And that immediately establishes everything that you're going to get through Welcome Home. Um, Closer shows how Joey Vanella has no problem carrying a chorus with his exceptional vocals and how the bounce that he gives his voice, for lack of a better way of really phrasing that, it's an element that really helps make Varsity who they are. Um, Lovesick. I talked about this last week. Lovesick is one of... The coolest things I got to hear all year long. It's absolutely my favorite Varsity song ever. I think that track kind of acts as like the centerpiece of Welcome Home. And it's almost like the lifeblood and the heartbeat of it. But I take nothing away from any of the other amazing songs like uh, Never Again. And how Never Again is uh, a song that really plays into the R&B factor of Varsity that I mentioned earlier. 
um, the acoustic guitar that takes over the title track and how it's this layer to Welcome Home that is able to further get across the versatility that this band is really showing off here. And, you know, all that especially factors into the closing song 11am and how it is a slower ballad-like of a song. And it is one of the strongest suits of the record and one of the strongest suits in the entire catalog of Varsity. And I think Welcome Home is an album that I easily could have forgotten about because this was a January record. I easily could have brushed it off and been like, okay, yeah, that happened. But it did way more than just happen. It fucking delivered and I needed to give it its flowers almost a year later. Number 25 is Elsewhere by Set It Off. I don't doubt the possibility that one day Set It Off might have their own episode of Ulterior because they're a band that I can just talk about for hours on end when it comes to how I discovered them, my initial thoughts on them, their trajectory that doesn't really um, favor their legacy status per se, but uh, I do want to establish right now that Elsewhere is my favorite album of theirs since Duality. I think this record, it it might not be able to get set off back to the promised land per se, but I also don't think that's what it really set out to do. I feel like Elsewhere kind of just made sure that we remember how fucking good and excellent set it off can be when they choose to. Uh, The lead single for this album and also the opening song, Skeleton, I remember hearing it last year and just being so enthralled by what I was hearing and just how reinvigorated Set It Off sounded on it. And there are so many other songs where I can point to and say they have this intangible element that I haven't heard from Set It Off in a a while. You know, whether it's Projector or Loose Cannon or As Good As It Gets, like, there's a lot here for me to really gas up and feel comfortable doing so. Why Do I is one of the catchiest songs of the year. It has no business having that kind of energy to it, but it does, and I'm so glad that it was the case. Um, My favorite song on this record is Playing With Bad Luck, and I look at Elsewhere, and immediately, that is the song that comes to mind. That very like masterful build in the verses and how it explodes into this chorus that Cody is able to really shine on as well as he has in prior set it off songs like Cody to this day is still one of the best vocalists in the scene in my opinion and elsewhere gives him a further case for why that still could be true elsewhere is a very necessary release for set it off to make sure they're not out of the conversation moving forward And just overall, this very fun and inspiring journey through music this year that I think is going to do, or at least hopefully do, some favors for Set It Off because they could really, really do with the good luck coming out of elsewhere. Number 24 is Voyeurist by Under Oath.
When I heard Voyeurus back in January, I pretty much knew after one listen that I was going to be talking about it in December. Because there was no way that an album that took me on this kind of a journey would be able to be forgotten about at any point in the year. It didn't matter what time period it was throughout this year. I was able to take Voyeurus and just have it be like uh, a part of the soundtrack to whatever was happening in my life. And I I feel like that's kind of been the case ever since Hallelujah came out back in July or August of last year, whatever it was. Like that song kind of being, uh, for myself at least, the backbone of Voyeurus, it did a lot to help me uh, or like ease my way into this album per se. I'm not somebody who hated Erase Me. I actually really, really like Erase Me. But looking at Voyeurus, I feel like this might be a bit closer to what it is that Underworld want to be in this day and age and how they want to get their sounds across. And there's a lot of like calamity within this album. And I look at songs like Psycho featuring Ghostmane and how they have this very like underproduced sound in a way but again i I think that is exactly where under oath want to be right now and even if some of the production on this record isn't like so crisp in the way that other under oath releases have been the material and the quality is just you know beyond standard um take a breath and we're all gonna die have some of my favorite courses that i got to hear earlier this year and they never left my head i still get those moments stuck in my brain every once in a while and it's this really just like invigorating feeling to know that a band that has been there for me since I was a child they're making exactly what they want to make right now and I think that is beautiful and speaking of beautiful I'm going to apply that term in a very malevolent manner to the closing song pneumonia and the way that pneumonia is able to like kind of take my brain and make me think things I don't want to think and just force me into that chair per se. It was one of the most grueling, but also satisfying experiences I had with any song all year. And combining all those elements together, I think Voyeurus paid off in a big way for Underworld. And this is the kind of album that they sound again, like so inspired and the reimagining of Underworld is playing out right before our eyes. And it is just something to marvel at, to say the least. Number 23 is The King and Queen of Gasoline by Hot Milk. Told we're nothing, and we're no good, an alien since childhood, baptized in a river of blood, so we set fire to the neighborhood. Those are the opening lines to the title track for the King Queen Gasoline, and just right away from those lines and then how that song progresses, what Hannah and James did for this EP, I don't want to say it eclipses, I just want to know what happens when I'm dead, but what I will say is that this EP had a much more profound, lasting impact on me than that one did. And I feel like there's a reason for that. I feel like Hot Milk managed to come into their own this year in a way that they had not prior. And to have this EP be supported by songs like Teenage Runaways and I Fell in Love with Someone I Shouldn't Have, that really sets the tone and the pacing 
for how just magnificent and sensational this EP would turn out to be because it can be catchy at any moment like those two songs and then just have this also very like heartfelt nature to it like you hear on The Secret Saying Goodbye and Chloroform Nightmares. For a six song EP, Hot Milk packed every bit of their personality and character into this release and what you get out of it is an EP that just really really helps me understand more and more why Hot Milk are who they are, why they have the audience that they do, and why they're a band that is worth picking up and championing moving forward because they have all the tools. Like They really have everything within them to dig deeper and find that dog and just continue to make sure everybody knows who Hot Milk are and that nobody ever fucking forgets that. Number 22 is Pep by Lights. Lights is one of my favorite musicians of all time, and every instance where she does something, I feel like there's no way for me to not just be immediately drawn to it. It doesn't matter how it sounds, what she's doing on it. Like She has that almost possessive-like nature when it comes to how easily controllable I am by Light's material, and Pep kind of further showed how much of a uh, merchant, I guess. I am for lights. I was going to say simp, but um, let's be professional. Let's be adults. Very, very professional outlet this podcast is. Um, When you get into Pep, like immediately the opening song, Beside Myself, which I remember coming out as a single back in 2021, I think it was, and how it is one of those kinds of songs that can just easily make me emotional but the thing is that it's immediately countered by songs that have like a more of an upbeat nature to them like in my head featuring josh dunn from 21 pilots and then prodigal daughter and i'll say this now prodigal daughter it might be like the boss bitch anthem of the year like prodigal daughter takes no apologies whatsoever for how it gets across its message and how it really lets lights have this identity that maybe she wasn't so comfortable with before um salt and vinegar cannot say enough good things about that song and how i feel like despite its uh like slightly daunting tone it can still be very fun and infectious um jaws god dude jaws is one of the most enjoyable songs all year and how lights can take that course and morph it to her style and her very, um, very enticing delivery per se. Oh, she got claws. Fuck it. She got jaws. She got her guns out, boots up, no bras. It is marvelous to say the least. And lights all the way through pep is able to just be lights. And she has this free reign to make this the exact kind of record that matches who she is right now and where she's at in her life. And I think that is a a really cool element to Pep that makes it stand out from Skin and Earth and Little Machines and everything else that it needed to be uh, differentiated from. Pep is amazing. Lights is amazing. And this album itself is just something that I can see myself 
taking with me for a very, very long time. I'm calling an audible right now. Number 21 is Remade in Misery by Memphis Mayfire. When I say I called an audible, what I mean is that Remade in Misery was not meant to be number 21. What I did right now was I looked at what was 21 and then what was above it and thought, does this make sense? Like, do I really, really feel like Remade in Misery should go into part four? Is it really a top 20 album of the year? And, you know, maybe a rash decision, but I'm saying no, it's almost there though. And I think the fact that I believe it's almost there. That is something that I was not expecting whatsoever from Memphis Mayfire. So Memphis Mayfire is a band that I was pretty into early on into, into their career and then just misstep after misstep, album after album that disappointed me. I got to a point off of Broken in 2018 where I was like, I, I don't know what to do now. Like, this, it's over. Like, it, it's curtains for this band. I can't save them. I don't know who can save them. And... It turned out the only people that could save them were themselves. And once Blood and Water released as the lead single back in June of last year, I could sense something was there. Something was brewing. Something was happening. But I also didn't entirely believe they could capitalize on that. And then a couple of singles later, actually not a couple, a lot of singles later, I think Remain in Misery is pretty fucking awesome. I think songs like... Death Inside, The American Dream, Your Turn, Make Believe, they were able to just completely re-spark the fire within Memphis Mayfire, and Maddie Mullins, in particular, became a very competent and capable frontman, and those were factors I believed he had, you know, forgotten about and left behind in the past. But with Remade of Misery, Memphis Mayfire... Shut me the fuck up. They proved me wrong. And I am happy that's the case because I was waiting for this moment. I was waiting for the day that Memphis Mayfire became a top band in the scene again. And even if I'm acknowledging I might not like the record right now as much as I did back in June when I reviewed it initially, the passion for this project is still there. And I still very much so am grateful that memphis may fire became hoopers again and that's it those were records 30 to 21 so part three is done with now more than halfway through the list and i want to say now that there might have been like some miscellaneous sounds in the audio there were some dogs outside barking my one of my cats is behind me eating right now if any of those sounds picked up on the audio i apologize but also just understand like I don't control animals. I don't have that ability, that telekinetic power. So yeah, you just got to let it be what it's going to be. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene. Let's make a scene.